Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. We are so excited that you are joining us tonight for this Kaya conversation. It is a very important conversation from brother to brother. We are excited that you have joined us tonight. Welcome in. We want to have each of you uh, to be able to join in. This is an interactive conversation, um, so we want you to feel free to put your comments in the chat. I see Shantez in here. Hey, what's going on, brother? Uh, Bosco, um, just so glad to have each and every one of you to join us. So drop your comments in the chat as we go through and have this conversation. Um, and just know that this is a conversation from brother to brother, but this is a lot of good information. We have a lot of good panelists here today. So I want everybody to feel free to join in on this interactive conversation. Uh, so without any further ado, what I would like to do just to start us off really is just to go by introducing our panelists tonight, all right? So our first panelist is Draper Brown. Uh, Draper Brown, and we'll allow each person to introduce themselves in their own way. Draper, it is yours. Take the floor. Thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, good afternoon to everyone. Well, really good evening at this point. Uh, happy to be here. My name, like Jeffrey said, is Draper Brown, a uh, lifelong member of St. Paul Baptist Church. I've been going there since I was born. Uh, really grown up in the church. Loved it. A um, couple things that I was involved with was, you know, church league, basketball, Sunday school, Bible study, rooms in the end, uh, various Sundays spent at fish fries, men's prayer breakfasts, plenty of things. The list really goes on. Uh, I probably say my favorite memories of St. Paul was back when I was in middle school. Uh, we used to do the uh, the church mission trips in the summertime. Uh, and my favorite one that I went on was New Orleans. We went to New Orleans for uh, about a week uh, back. And I think I was in seventh grade at that point. So that would have been 20, uh, like 2009. Uh, probably my favorite favorite experience. I uh, got to go down there, do a lot of community service, really enjoyed myself down there. Uh, so really happy to be here with everyone tonight. Uh, I currently work at EY in the financial services industry, really enjoying that. And uh, I'm here to do as much as I can uh, from a conversation standpoint. I think the topics that we're talking about tonight are extremely interesting and things that need to be said and conversations that need to be had. So happy to be here with everyone uh, and can't wait for tonight. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you, Draper. Next up, we'll have Brother Joe Weathers. Joe Weathers. Good evening, church fam. Good evening, all visitors. Good evening, everyone. Yes, my name is Joe Weathers, and uh, I've been around St. Paul for about 24 years now. Uh, I guess you can, if you name it, I've probably done or dabbled in it. Uh, my, my biggest uh, achievements, I guess, if you want to call them achievements. I am a deacon for St. Paul, but I am currently on the inactive role. Uh, I've served uh, in the Samson ministry, the Lions of St. Paul. Uh, I helped bring about the original website, uh, and I wasn't doing it very well, so they kicked me off right after we got the uh, .org. Uh, uh, I am currently serving as the servant leader of the Men of Valor Ministry. That's my primary. I'm singing with the men's ensemble, or I guess I'm humming with the men's ensemble. And uh, I am active on the um, uh, Finance Receiving Committee, even though that has dwindled down due to COVID. So I'm looking forward to this evening and contributing. And yes, I'm excited also. All right. Thank you, Brother Joe. Thank you, Brother Joe. Next up, we have Minister Ben Pate. Good evening, everybody. My name is Minister Ben Pate. Um, I'm fairly new to St. Paul, and I've been there a little over two years, a little over two years now, so definitely excited um, about the congregation and the uh, joy that we have. I currently serve as one of the associate ministers that preside on Sunday mornings for that lead worship. Um, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, and a recent graduate of Ohio Christian University with my bachelor's degree in psychology. So I'm pretty excited to have this conversation because it's definitely much needed. All right, thank you. Thank you, Minister Ben Tate. And next up is uh, no stranger to the Kaya platform. It's our very own pastor, the Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott. Hey man, what's up? Um, I've been here, wow, five years. And five years has gone by fast. Um, and I've seen uh, our church make some um, uh, interesting and wonderful 
shifts that have been necessary for us to survive and even thrive in COVID. Um, so before I just um, talk about, you know, my time here at St. Paul, I just want to thank uh, all of the disciples of St. Paul for their prayers and their encouragement. Um, Kaya has been one of the uh, fruits of my labor here at St. Paul. And um, uh, I want to commend uh, Jeffrey and Ashley for doing uh, a yeoman's and a yeoman's job as far as um, leading and guiding uh, these conversations. So I'm excited about tonight. I'm looking forward to participating with my brothers. I want to invite particularly all the men that are watching us. Uh, we have um, our Men of Valor meeting that takes place on Saturdays at nine o'clock. And we invite you to join the share where I'm doing teaching as far as uh, on prayer. And then the men meet and we talk about various projects that we want to do and have coming up. And that's a wonderful opportunity to allow for the brothers to come fellowship. We're doing it virtually right now. I can't wait till we can get back in person with some sense of safety and security. But for right now, we're on Zoom. So that's the pitch that I'm going to make for right now. Uh, we're in your hands, man. All right. Well, we certainly want to uh, obviously thank you for your leadership. And then also we want to congratulate if everybody out there in the virtual space, give a hand clap. Uh, we just celebrated five years uh, anniversary for our pastor. So um, we are definitely God has definitely given us a visionary and we are so appreciative. Just this Kaya platform is was um, something that he was able to bring over. So we certainly thank you. Um, for your leadership and for your guidance. All right, so let's get into this conversation. So before we kind of go to our panelists, um, Dr. Scott, what would you say and why would you say that this conversation from brother to brother is, is needed right now? Well, it's an opportunity for us to really just talk across generational lines. And it is also an opportunity for us to help people to understand that there are men in church that take their walk with God seriously. Um, it is a wonderful opportunity for us to recruit more brothers to uh, join us as far as our work, word, and witness to the culture. And it is uh, an opportunity for people to understand that uh, men, particularly African-American men, have some unique challenges that we have to navigate as far as culture, community, city, country, and world are concerned. Um, and had it not been for those of us that's having this conversation tonight, our, our walk with Christ, there's no telling where many of us would be right now. So uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to do several things. Number one, engage in a form of teaching. Number two, engage in a form of discipling. Number three, uh, engage in an opportunity for evangelism. And then also uh, to let people know that we got some strong, wonderful brothers here at St. Paul Church uh, that uh, not only talk the talk, but walk the ball. I think you preached on that a couple of times. <laughs> I wasn't going to say nothing. I, I thought that sounded kind of familiar. <laughs> Uh, no, certainly. And I, I think that's one of the main things that we wanted to highlight tonight as we go into this conversation is really that, you know, um, sometimes as brothers, we get a hard rap. And, and, you know, I was just having this conversation the other day because of the demographics. And we'll get into that later as far as, you know, the percentages of men in church as far as women in church. But we do have a lot of good brothers that are in St. Paul that are doing some wonderful, great work. And we want to make sure that we we don't always put down on the brothers, but there's a conversation that still needs to be had. And a lot of times we need to be able to have this conversation between brothers, so brother to brother. And that's really what this is tonight. So once again, we thank you for your leadership and um, we're going to kick this thing off. So, yeah, um, let, let, yes, let me just say one more thing, Jeff, before yes, we get sir. started. Now, I will say that that we're going to have some wonderful conversation and dialogue today. But if you really want to get down and dirty, nitty gritty, come to the Men of Valor meeting because um, uh, brother, brother Joe can tell you. <laughs> Uh, it, it, we, we go there. We go there. When I say we go there, we go there. And so there are some things that, that, that we do in that safe environment um, that, that really allows for, first of all, folks to see a side of me that, that, that most people won't get to see because um, 
we we go there and um uh yeah it it, it we we'll we'll knock if you buck <laughs> now listen we already look look the way y'all see how you already starting this conversation off of y'all y'all already as he said last, as he said with the women the went this gonna be one of them nights y'all see that already so uh <laughs> Uh, Brother Joseph Greer, I see that you did ask if we could share the link for the Men of Valor. We will get into that a little later, and uh, we'll allow Brother Joe uh, Weathers to kind of get into that, and we will get you that information uh, because, as Pastor said, it is a wonderful time amongst brothers to have that conversation and, as he said, kind of get into the nitty and the gritty. So, all right. (laughs) All right. So as we move forward, um, our, our first topic of conversation tonight is really going to be around mental health and how it pertains to um, brothers. And so um, our two panelists that will join us for this discussion will be Brother Ben Tate and Brother Draper uh, to kind of kick us off and kind of start this off um, with this with this conversation around around mental health. And so I wanted to kind of start out with you, Draper, uh, from the aspect of, of the younger side of the spectrum. Um, I think a lot of people get this misconception that when you move from childhood, teenage, you know, to adulthood, that it's almost like a seamless transition, right? And I'm not too old to not know what that transition looks like. But in this transition where where you are navigating as a young man with your mental health, how are you able to handle, you have social, we had a whole summer, and we've always had dealt with social justice issues as African Americans, but particularly last, I think last year was just like, I mean, it was off the charts, off the skip, at least for us, right? And right. so so, um, so for Draper, I would say for you, how do you navigate your mental health issues from this social justice side, then also this pandemic side that we rolled from one summer and then we started having these summers? How do you deal with your own mental health? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's two main parts, right? The first primarily being um, having a conversation, right? Uh, I think with, with me and my friends, uh, my male friends, a lot of the times our conversations were primarily around sports, you know, what we're doing this upcoming weekend, uh, very like I would say surface level things. And I noticed that there was a difference between the conversations that I would have with uh, my male friends and my female friends. They were often a much more deeper uh, the conversations that they were saying that they were having with their other girlfriends. They're like, you know, we talked about this and we went deep on this and we were crying on the phone. And I was like, I can't remember the last time I cried. <laughs> like, I don't like this. Which, you know, is very, very valid. I think a lot of men my age, like we don't, a lot of our friendships, though we would consider our friendships deep, we show them through, you know, other, there's other aspects that cause our friendships to go deep, like always being there for each other. Uh, we might bond over workouts or we might bond over just having gone through the same experiences and been through the same school. But I think a lot of times our relationships weren't as deep when it came to how are you doing today? What's saddening you right now? Why are you hurting right now? I noticed that you said you were going to do this, but you haven't done this. I'm keeping you accountable. A lot of those things were kind of missing within uh, my male relationship. So I think with the social from both the social justice and the pandemic side, it was setting out time to actually say, hey, fellas, like, let's go deep. Like, I'm hurting right here. I need to have a conversation. Can we all pull up next week, Wednesday night, and just chat about things? I want to hear about your career, about your goals, about what's hurting you, about why you've been sad the past month. That was something that was very, very, very helpful for me, was just sitting down and realizing, like, hey, with guys, we don't necessarily want to go deep, and we don't necessarily want to get into our feelings, you know, once a week, once a month, and maybe even once a year when it comes to our guy friends. So, that was something for me that uh, a couple of my friends, we were able to implement both during the pandemic and during the social justice, uh, uh, the social justice issues that were going on last spring, last summer, last fall, uh, when it was at its peak. Um, so that was probably the, like my favorite thing. And it wasn't always necessarily a deep conversation. Sometimes we would play a, um, oh, what was it? Like a Kahoot, which is kind of like a trivia game. And someone would be responsible yeah, yeah. for making the trivia every week. And we just get together, pull up. And those trivias would often lead to more deep conversations. We would actually discuss feelings and how mm-hmm. we're thinking and, and goals and careers and things yeah. of that sort that kind of got a little yeah. bit below the surface level conversations that we usually had. So I think it's just effort and knowing that we do need to have those deeper conversations. We need a way to express our feelings and making sure that that's something that you actually implement within your friend groups. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's great. You know, to, for you to say effort, I think that's the main thing, especially when it comes to males. Like, 
it, somebody starts it, right? It has to be somebody that starts that conversation. And when you start that conversation, you'll often realize that, you know what, man, I was feeling that same thing too, but I just didn't want to say it, you know, right? Like you said, you know, I don't know last time I cried, you know what I mean? Um, you know, H-Town, I don't know if you remember that, but H-Town said emotions make cry sometimes. I'm just throwing that out there, y'all, man, I know I'm an R&B hip-hop fan. But anyways, so, you know, um, and, and so I would even ask from a, from a perspective of a young father, you know, um, being you're a young father, you have a young son, um, and so you watch these things that go on. I'm a father, I have a young son, right? And so... You know, when these things were going on, like, I'm thinking about, I'm really oftentimes, I don't think about myself. I think about mm -hmm. my son, you know, and right. how he has to grow up. You know, how do you as a young, as a, as a young black father watch these things go on? How do you, how do you look at your son? How does that take place? Um, are there conversations that are being had already? Because I, I remember your son's age, but I know he's very young. He's about the mm -hmm. same age as my son. So how do you right. have those conversations? Man, that's a very good question. Um, it's it's very scary. It's very scary. Um, never to to not really think about having those conversations with your son, and then uh, things being played out in real life, especially with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and looking at these uh, news stories and and looking at um, all of the violence going on, and then you look at your seven year old son. It's like, how do I explain this to him? What's going on on TV? I remember watching George Floyd uh, funeral with him. You know, me and my wife, we actually bought him. Um, and our daughter in the room, but we actually set them down so they actually can watch it. And we explained to them about social justice. And it took me to a mental space of like, I never thought that I would have to have, I knew I was going to eventually have this conversation because I know as a black father, we have a different conversation with our black sons and things that we have to do. Like things that my father told me, you know, make sure you're not on this side of town at this time of night. Make sure you don't play your music this loud. Or if you're driving on this side of town, make sure you have your your ID and all this information. I, I didn't think that those conversations would um, arise this early in his life. Um, and just to think about the things that he faces and some stuff that he just doesn't understand and why me and his mother tell him why he can't do certain things or necessarily kind of, you know, guide him through certain situations at school and to make sure that he's, um, he's really well equipped. I remember one time his, um, his social studies lesson was talking about, um, respecting authority and respecting police and respecting, um, re re authority figures. And some of the information that they were giving him was from a different lens than what we see. And I know we had a hard time explaining to him that that, you know, not necessarily, you know, definitely respect authority, definitely respect your 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 leaders and everything. However, this is another side of it. And, and just explaining to explaining that to him at seven. So as a young as a young father with a young son, it's very it's very interesting how to navigate. It's a day by day task, um, you know praying very hard that when he goes to school, that the interactions that he has at school um, don't turn into anything and making sure yeah. that uh, yeah. we're, we're very involved and that they see, especially me, that they see his father um, involved because there's already a stereotype about, about black fathers, not being around, not taking care of their yeah. kids. Yeah. So I make sure that they see me, they know me, they know my name um, and anything that's going on. I want to be involved so they understand that he has an active father in his life so they they're not going to treat him any type of way right no and i think people don't realize how much that plays on the black father's mental mental stability right mm -hmm. like it just it, right. it, it really something that weighs on you um you know i want to kind of shift this just for a second because i know both of you personally and i know both of you are, are both in corporate america and i don't i know ben you work from home i'm not sure draper you work from home or not um what would you say to a statistic that just came out a few days ago that says um, most African-Americans do not really want to return to the workplace. They'd rather continue to work from home because of the way that things happen in the workplace for African-Americans. Would that surprise either of you? And I'll let you go first, Ben. That, I wouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me. It, it just, it's very <laughs> interesting that that would come up because the fact that the matter that the stereotype, stereotype about the African-American is always perpetuated in such a negative way. And then they try to gloss it over in corporate America with something that seems like, oh, well, we didn't mean it that way, you know, or right. it's coming back with an apology. Oh, well, this is what we really meant to say. And it's like, no, you say what you say, because that's what that's how you felt. Um, so it's one of those things you take with a grain of salt, but all, also you really watch and pay attention and but also speak up. I remember there's been times and conversations 
where I've actually spoken up about the African-American experience and how it really affects us in the workplace and that we, you know, we're, we're here to stay, we're here to work, but we're, we're not going to be, you know, um, we're, we're not going to be painted in, in a negative light. Just not going to happen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Draper, and you want to comment on that as well? Cause I know you work in corporate as well. So definitely. Yeah. I think um, for me, there's just the extra strain that comes from having to be the minority in the room, right? And so, like, I, I was very – I took quite a few, like, sociology classes in school. Uh, I graduated from college three years ago, for those uh, that aren't too familiar. And um, some of, like, the studies that we saw and that we, we studied was basically that folks, when they're the minority in the room, they're never going to perform to their optimal ability, right? There's a strain. There's a mental strain there. There's a – a feeling like, okay, I'm having to represent everybody from my race. I'm having to represent this. Folks are looking down on me. Do I belong mm-hmm. here? Imposter syndrome. There's all of those mental things that are going on in the background that when you're working from home, granted, they're still there, but it's not the same presence, right? I'm not in a right. room filled with people that don't look like me. When right. there's side conversations that are had about skiing and I've never gone skiing, I don't feel like I'm not a part of the conversation. Everything <laughs> is more so work balanced and work focused. So it's not, I don't feel like, you know, when everybody's going to lunch, it's a strain to ask me to come along too, right? I don't feel as though, you know, people are giving me the side eye when I may mispronounce a word that I'm sorry, I just didn't know how to pronounce, but I appreciate you correcting me, right? Like, so there's a lot of those microaggressions that you don't have to feel from a virtual standpoint. You don't have to feel as if you're judged for necessarily the thing that you might bring to eat or even the container that you bring it in, right? So there's a lot of stuff that like you just don't have to deal with that isn't a strain in your life. And I'm only seeing somebody through a screen. And I think like that's one part. The second part is that even when we take time off during the workday or we have work events or, you know, let's go grab lunch with coworkers, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, and I think a lot of other minorities or African-American men, whatever it may be, always feel like we're at work no matter what, even if we're grabbing dinner with coworkers afterwards, yeah. even if it's a short lunch break to go walk down the street, like, and no matter what, I'm still putting that voice on. I'm still putting that front on. I'm never truly relaxed. Uh, and so I think when you're in your home and you get off camera and you can do your work, you're relaxed, right? I've got J. Cole playing in the background. I've got my hoodie on. Like I might be on FaceTime with a friend. Like I'm relaxed. I can speak how I want to speak. I can be who I want to be without the fear of being judged. Uh, and so I think that would probably be like the main reason why a lot of African-Americans, especially African-American men, feel as though, you know, I'm OK not going back to the workforce full time. I'd rather stay at, stay at home because I don't have to deal with those things yeah. and I don't have to feel yeah. inferior. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And those, like you said, those microaggressions, they just they weigh down on you mentally. And that's why it's so important that we, you know, really are able to do some things to exercise that mental you know, that mental state to be able to have an outlet. And that's why communication and things talk like talks like this and talks between other brothers are so important. But this is an intergenerational conversation. And so we want to be able to bring in uh, Dr. Scott and Joe, because I want you to weigh in on this as well. So um, for so Dr. Scott. We're the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, Pastor. You are. <laughs> you don't get Joe, Joe, Joe Frat got got that zaddy look going on. <laughs> see, look, oh my they, god! See, look, they already see they back over there. See, see, Doctor Scotty starting already. We won't say that. Um, so, Doctor Scott, what if what if I told you that men, African American men, men in particular, were four times more likely than women to commit suicide? Well, I wouldn't be surprised by that. And, and why 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 do you think that? Well, why would you say that is, or what would be your um, the mental well, the mental side of it? So, so first of all, I, I'm not surprised by that, and and that statistic basically is among um, overall um, white uh, influence as far as uh, those numbers are concerned. But I do know that among African American men. Uh, the suicidal tendencies have gone up exponentially than what it has been in the past. Um, And it does not surprise me because I think that uh, Brother Draper, as well as Minister uh, Pate, talked about how Black men live basically with death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. And so 
uh, it's a little bit here, it's a little bit there. And then, you know, finally you get to that proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't do the necessary deep internal work spiritually and mentally that we need to do to be able to handle and deal with that. Um, Dr. Moss and I did uh, a couple of years ago um, about mental health and uh, listen, and ever since then, I I told you all, I've been in therapy since Dr. Booth, my spiritual father has died. I'm still in therapy. Mm. And I go, you know, I, I see my therapist once a month. Uh, just to, you know, talk about things and, and get some things off my back, out of my psyche, so that um, I can at least function uh, without having to deal with other stuff that continues to to try to haunt me as far as my uh, psyche is concerned. Good stuff. Um, Joe, is there, for you, is there anything that you do besides going out there cleaning up them, them leaves that, that will help you <laughs> help you to kind of kind of deal with the mental stresses that come from life. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, there's, you know, I'm, I'm a retired guy. So, you know, I have a lot of those uh, everyday work and, and those kind of stresses already relieved, but you know, there's, there's, there's uh, seeing the grandchildren, there's, there's, uh, uh, studying, uh, reading, there, there's all kinds of things that, that one can do uh, just to free yourself from the everyday. But it's funny you mentioned uh, uh, suicide rates because one of my dearest friends and fraternity brothers actually did commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And what, 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 what burned me or what, what perplexed me is that I couldn't reach him. There was nothing I could say, you know, he wouldn't, he, he told me, do not come here, you know, stay away. If, if you say you're on your way, I'm, I'm going to do it right now, you know, and, 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 and it just, it, it, it messed me up uh, for real. But, you know, still, you have to, you have to, and I have learned this over the years, you have to stay in touch with Jesus. <laughs> I'm, mm. I'm, it, that's just that's yeah. just it. Uh, you have to you have to know that you can't handle everything yourself. Mm-hmm. You need others. You need to communicate with others. You need to 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 uh, 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 hear what others are going through, uh, so that you know that you're not the only one dealing with it. Um, uh, I, all the time, you know, uh, you, you, you 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 run into people. And uh, until you hear their story, you never knew what that person was about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so mm-hmm. after communication, you know, you found that the, you might have been looking at them side. I'd say, well, you know, I know he'd been to jail. Da, 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 da. Find out he hadn't done none of that, mm-hmm. you know, and and he was actually a good dude, and and right. you become good friends. Right. So yeah. it, it's yeah. interactions. Yeah. It's it. You got to. Uh, have friends and friendships, fellowship with your fellow man. Uh, those things will uh, get you away from all of that everyday stress that comes at you from the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 and let me, if I could, talking about the suicide piece, particularly just in general and, and what we've seen really happening as far as the African-American community is concerned 20 years ago, I think I can say this without equivocation. 20, 30 years ago, you did not hear about Blacks committing suicide at the rates Mm -hmm. we're doing it right now. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason really is a theological, religious reason that many of us thought, you commit suicide, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. Right. So we were scared. to do that because, you know, um, uh, 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 we were afraid that, you know, quote, self-murder, you're going to hell. That that has been demystified in right. a sense. Yeah. And, 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 and it's good it's been demystified because that's nowhere in scripture and, and it's a false theological premise. 
Correct. The unfortunate reality is, the unfortunate reality is that we live in a culture whereby we want things to happen instantaneously. And when it doesn't, Mm -hmm. uh, we move quickly. So when we fail or when something catastrophic hits us and we can't make the shift immediately, we allow for um, failure to become fatal rather than failure or a mishap or a catastrophe to become a learning lesson and a catalyst for God to make a shift as far as our reality is concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still struggling with what makes an 11-year-old, 12-year-old little girl take her life. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I feel yeah yeah, so, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah uh, 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 so so that's 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 kind of the, the 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 mixed bag that we're in from a theological perspective when it comes to something like this and and I see the chat from brother uh, Joseph Greer uh, yeah we need we need to learn the difference between those various things and so I'll say again Jesus and therapy works. That's what I was just about to say. That's yeah. right. Jesus and a therapist. If you didn't know, Jesus and a therapist, both of them work. They and, work and, and can, can use the therapist to get to get messages across. And we and, and we we need to just because you see a therapist doesn't mean you're crazy. Exactly. And, and, and I am yeah. not Superman. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Draper mentioned it earlier. You know, when you're young, you think you can do all this and go at it, and, and I can, you know, conquer all, but Hey, you don't have to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's really you know it's in Draper's generation that I have a lot of excitement and and hope for as far as the life of the church by by virtue of the fact that in that Gen Z crowd particularly um, they have a different perspective than a lot of us do um, when and, and and I think that they bring more of a I want to say realistic yet holistic approach to really just doing life. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, that generation, um, for the most part, they're not going to compromise uh, the essence of their personhood for a buck or anything like that. And, and they're to be commended. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm excited for, for what that generation brings as far as culture, but even more so the church is concerned. Amen. And that, you know, that kind of brings us to our, our next topic, dealing with the spiritual aspect of being spiritually healthy. Um, and so, you know, um, Tony Evans says in his, in his book, um, Adam was silent when God was calling a leader. Mm-hmm. What would you say about that, Dr. Scott? Adam was silent when God was calling for a leader. He, he uh, writes this in his book, um, yeah. um, Kingdom Man. Right, yeah. right. Um, when when we look at when we look at the uh, writings of, of Genesis and what God uh, was doing, unfortunately, uh, and I love the way that Dr. John Kenny puts it, uh, the former dean of the School of Theology at Virginia Union, that Eve. Adam listened to Eve, Eve listened to a snake. A lot of the things that we practice in the church ain't theology, but snakeology. He <laughs> 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 says that the first theologian in the Bible is the snake. Because mm-hmm. the, the theology is God talk, and the snake engaged in God talk from a theological uh, perspective, and he was wrong. So uh, Adam did not counteract the snake and what the snake said as far as um, uh, his God talk, when Adam knew God uh, on another level. And of course, the snake uh, being the personification of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever we want to call that particular entity, uh, has um continue to wreak havoc as far as reality is concerned. So where Adam 
should have given the correct and it's my hermeneutical and that's a fancy word for biblical interpretation i believe had not adam ate of the fruit according to scripture we may not be in the mess we're in that's my hermeneutic that's my interpretation um uh but you know he did we are where we are and it is what it is and so um <laughs> I think that what God is trying to do is really, through Jesus Christ, help us reclaim our pre-fallen existence. Ben, mm. if I asked you this question, that spiritual health requires consistent discipline, what would you say to that? I would totally agree. Um, the reason why I would agree is because in this day and age, we have so many things pulling, on, pulling at us at one point in time. We have social media. Um, for one, you know, you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have all type of handles and you have a lot of things that can steal your free time. Um, and while you're having your free time, depending on, you know, your work and family life and things like that, I believe your spiritual health should be one of the most important things that you make uh, prevalent in your life and also make time. Um, I truly believe that when we make time for God and make time to, to add God into our daily lives, it makes things much better. Um, you know, of course, reading our word and um, listening to sermons and things of that nature. But also it helps us keep centered. Uh, one thing with men is that, you know, we've been taught to bury our emotions um, and not necessarily yeah. deal with them. But when we become centered and spiritually healthy, we know how to deal with our emotions in more of an effective way. We can communicate with our wives, our girlfriends, our fiancés, our significant others um, in a more uh, in a better way. And we can become the leaders that God called us to be um, in, in our household, and especially for our children, too, uh, when it comes because they you know, I noticed that my, my son watches everything that I do. And, and, you know, it's not necessarily what I'm saying is what he's learning from is what I'm doing is what he's learning from. So on Sunday mornings, uh, when Pastor Scott is saying, you know, raise your right hand for your offering, I have my kids raise their right hand. You know, they may not yeah. have a tangible yeah. offering in their hand, but I'm teaching them this is how we honor God. We honor God with our giving. Yeah. And that is something that is going to transcend into their teenage years and also into their adult years. Yeah, and, and I think that's so important. That's why, you know, even even uh, bringing that back, you know, um, we do a lot of this virtual space. So when the scriptures are read, I get up, you know, I'm doing just like I'm in service. Right. I do all this. I do all this stuff. And my son is standing right beside me. And I think, you know, I'm doing it so he can watch, you know, he can mm -hmm. see the reverence that I'm having. But also it's a spiritual to me. There's something different about how I stand when I when that red word is there. And so I try to, you know, incorporate being spiritually healthy, being emotionally healthy, because I think there's a balance that should take place um you know between between the two the mental as well as the spiritual um dr scott how can as a as a as a man how can i what should i be doing in other words to work as far as my spiritual health my spiritual growth um from the male perspective several things i think that it's first of all it's important for men to have a vital, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I think that's that's very critical. And 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 nurture that relationship through spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible, doing devotional, um, being part of a community like the local church that helps to foster your growth as well as hold you accountable. Um, I have to admit, since being at St. Paul, and it's been five years, this place has just really helped me to, mm -hmm. to, to grow in, in wonderful and meaningful ways as far as my walk with God is concerned. And, and, and so I think that's very, very important. And um, I'm, I'm a member of um, Omega Psi Phi fraternity. And I, you know, I've served at some of the highest levels in that in that fraternity. And I love my brothers. However, nothing, and let me make this adamantly clear, nothing can replace my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and and that has to be that has to be paramount. And then everything else becomes tangential to that. That impacts all of my other relationships. And I think that's that's important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
we got some other folks who belong to some other things on this call. I'll let them say what they are, you know. There's <laughs> three kings on here now. <laughs> <laughs> It's three cubes on here. Yeah, that, I, mean, that's, I ain't worried about nothing. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Doc? When I started, I started telling Brother Joe who was on here. He said, "Oh man, you done brought all the cubes on." I said, "Oh <laughs> man." I started, I ain't know if I need to go back to the drawing board. I said, "I don't know." I told Ben, either "I'm going back to the drawing board, or me and you gonna get recruited." Because I don't know, Ben. I ain't, I'm not a part of anything, so we'll see. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> oh, look, look, look. We we'll see what happens by the end of the night. So. Um, <laughs> Um, one of the things I definitely wanted all of us to really kind of kind of focus on as well was um, the, the physical health for 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 the male for African American. You know, I can I can tell you a few years ago, several years ago, and especially from the ministerial aspect, I was doing ministry. We have a upstairs, a third floor at St. Paul, and for those who don't know, I was almost about four hundred pounds, and so I was doing a a um, a Bible study for the young adults. This is before the young adult ministry was doing Bible study. And I was having to walk up this third floor step. By the time I get there, I have to sit down in the chair. I'm sweating. I'm teaching and sweating at the same time. I'm trying to teach and white sweat. And I told my wife, I said, something's going to have to change. There is no way I'll ever be able to do ministry in the shape that I'm in. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I'll ever be able to live and we just before we had a son in the shape that I'm in. And so, you know, um, had to make some changes, get some um, 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 get a health coach, get get a bunch of different things, because I understood that there in order for me to be who I need to be, I had to make some changes. Right. And so as far as the physical health is concerned, um, this is just some of the statistics. Um, statistically speaking, black men live seven years less than men of other racial groups. 44% of black men are considered overweight, 37.5 are obese. Black men suffer more preventable oral diseases uh, that are treatable. Black men have a higher incident of diabetes. Um, so Draper and, and Ben, I, I'll ask this to you. What are some things you're doing in your youthful years to prepare you for later? I say for me, it's it's uh, it's forming habits, right? Um, I'm at the age where, believe it or not, like it's it really things start slowing down, right? Like I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm realizing I'm not 18, uh, I'm not 18, 17, 21 anymore. Where you know I can put down three hamburgers, wake up the next morning, and go on a six mile jog. Can't do it anymore. So uh, for me, it's 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 really forming habits because you know I, I see that uh, you know I've got cousins, family members, 30s, 40s, when it's that time and it's it's like, I really need to start taking my health serious. It's hard to form habits when we get uh, older in our age. There's a saying my grandmother used to have is that older people become set in their ways, right? And so I think that forming habits now from a, from a physical health standpoint, working out a couple days a week, um, learning to cook vegetables, uh, not always getting, you know, a, you know appetizer, you know, dessert, take home something when you're going out to eat, learning to have some sort of control there. That I think is the most important thing that folks can do in their 20s for their long-term health. If you make it a habit to always work out at a minimum, let's say two times a week, right? Whether that's a run or going to the gym, a yoga class, like a minimum of that. And you just say, I'm going to do that for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. By the time you're 45 and you're 50, and it's really, really, really necessary for you to get outside walk, exercise, eat right, et cetera. It's not so much of a lifestyle change because I think it's, yeah. it's really hard to change your lifestyle when you get to that age. Uh, so I think really just making habits of working out and eating right at this age is the best thing that you can do. And granted, you know, I don't have to eat as good as my parents have to eat, right? But I mean, I have a lot more energy than them so I can work out a lot more. I can go harder, et cetera, et cetera. And I can do things that, you know, play sports and murals, things of that sort that they don't necessarily want to partake in. So it's also finding ways to make it fun. Everything doesn't have to be, you know, a 60-minute high-intensity interval training class or, you know, a weight room workout session. Sometimes it's going out and playing tennis with the friends. Sometimes it's going and uh, getting a couple pickup games in down at the Y. And sometimes it's just going on a walk in the middle of your work day that you schedule, you know, once a week to do. Uh, so I think it's really just forming those habits now so that 15, 20 years down the line when it's absolutely necessary that you work out a minimum amount of times a week, that you change your diet, reduce red meat, et cetera, et cetera, that it's not so much of a lifestyle change. And I'm going to pass it off to you really quick, but I think one thing I do every year for Lent, I participate in Lent, I always give up red meat. Uh, It's one thing that my doctor has always told me since I was younger, 
that red meat, you know, causing cancer, plaque buildup, cholesterol, high blood pressure. And red meat is a staple. As a black person that grew up in the South, red meat is a staple. <laughs> it's a staple in my family. So learning to give that up and being okay with it, I do that every single year for Lip the past three years, and it's become easier and easier every year as I've made it a habit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely, um, I want to drop, uh, Ashley said, uh, Draper too busy trying to look good for the gram. For those who don't follow, for, for those who don't follow Draper, just so oh you know, listen, Dra I, call, I call Draper all the time and I'm, I tell, listen, man, I don't know where he's at. He's always in a different country. I told Drake, there you go. Look, they just put his <laughs> Listen, I told Drake, live, he is living. I'm living my life vicariously through Drake because he's in a different country. I know he was so glad when they opened up those borders to be able to go back out with COVID because Draper is always on the go. So keep doing you, Draper. Keep doing you. Uh, I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, Joshua Jordan said, you ain't got to oh, have man. something sweet after every meal. Which is definitely true. And I've learned, one of the things I've learned along with that is that you don't have to finish the whole plate. You know, I know growing up, you better eat everything on that plate. And I've had to learn that you might need to leave something on the plate. Uh, vegetables go directly, reduce the aging process of the body. And I need that, especially in my life. Meat and sugar help you age. Um, and Bosco said amen to that. Um, and well, so, you didn't put much on your plate. That's what that is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Oh, come on, Doc. You, now, see, I'm trying to leave some so I can put it in that bag and take no, it home. Man. Out of my... No, man. You ain't got to put as much on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> Be up at, up at, not up in the middle of the night once the wife go to sleep trying to, trying to not let her hear the microwave right. or something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, Ben, is there anything that you're doing that, that you could pass along to prepare you now for later? Yes. Um, I mean, what I do is I, I, I do this now. I actually do my yearly physical. That's very important. And um, I used to not do that. I used to be very lackadaisical about getting checked up, uh, getting checkups and going to see the doctor. I'm actually a survivor of AFib uh, two times. Um, I, I received I had my first episode. I think I was about 27 and the doctors couldn't tell why or where it came from. I know I was eating late. I was eating Wendy's and eating things that were not good for me. So because of that, it's really, really made me watch what I eat. Um, every now and then I might have, you know, some pork or, um, you know, steak or, you know, ribs, whatever the case may be, but I do it in moderation. And I think that's that's the key. Um, just do everything in moderation uh, when it comes to eating. And, um, you know, like you guys said, just, you know, not putting everything on the plate because me and my brother, we used to go to the, um, you know, the, the buffets and we used to clear them out just about when we were younger. We know which one you mean. We know which one you're talking about. <laughs> so, that mentality tried to carry over with me as I got older. And I'm like, you can't do that anymore because you have to watch your weight. So I think consistency um, and also what things that fit your personality, everybody may not, may not have the personality for the gym, like me included, I'm just, I'm not a gym person. I tried it and I've wasted money on memberships. So, you know, trying to get out and walk and it really finds something that fits my personality yeah. and also, you know, help me to, to be better. Cause COVID has shown me that I, I need some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> that, COVID, that COVID weight is real. That COVID yeah, weight hey, is real. Hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, so Joe, what, what are some things that I, I want to, you know, now looking where you're at now, what are some things that, that you're doing to make sure that you're taking taking care of yourself um, and your health um, in the later years? Well, first of all, um, let me say that I have violated everything you guys are talking about tonight <laughs> to the utmost, and that's why I, where I am where I am today. And so uh, you're, you're all making all the points. I hope you stick with it. You know, I used to point at my dad and say, why you got that big stomach? He said, you keep on living. You're going to have one, too. You know? <laughs> but he didn't tell me, you know, to exercise and do all the things right and all those things. Draper, if, it, if I don't get red meat, I'll die. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, I've got to. I've got to. What I am doing is trying now to get back and unbreak all the bad habits right, that right. I've created. Whereas yeah, if right. I lived a, 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 according to a, a, a routine that I knew I could live with, you know, and I, that I would do and would follow, 
it would be easier now than having to drop massive uh, tons of weight in order to get more healthy. Uh, uh, ben, I do get my annual physicals. Now, I am religious with that. Uh, uh, I, I follow all the doctor's rules. Uh, uh, I, they tell me I have the heart of a young man, uh, no cholesterol problems to speak of. Uh, I get good reports every year. So I, I just try to live better. Now, my wife's got me drinking more water, and we're trying to concentrate on actually losing weight. That's, so I, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to incorporate a lifestyle that I will follow, not just fad diets and stuff to, you know, that I know after, you know, I lose 10 pounds, I'm going to blow it all and, and, and gain it all back. So I'm trying to find a routine that yeah. will help me lose and I, that I can stick with and that I will do. I'm like Ben. I'm not a gym guy, never have liked it or whatever. But, you know, going for a walk here or whatever there, you know, that those are the things that you if you can incorporate them in, and 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 you enjoy doing them and also pushing back from the table and putting less on that plate. I think over time I'm, I'm going to make it there. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. And I would say, you know, uh, in the black man's guide to good health, you know, one of the things they talk about is you definitely want to make sure that you're going to get screening. Uh, about 45, what they say as early as 40 um, for your for rectal exams and so get colonoscopy, making sure that you're doing those things, you know, the earlier the better, especially for African-American men. So uh, that is really one good book that you can use uh, to kind of help guide as far as your health is concerned. Dr. Scott, I didn't know if you want to jump in on that as far as that health piece is concerned as well. Yeah, um, I'm diabetic and it sucks. Mm. I'm, I'm, I got diagnosed with diabetes back in 2015. Um, and um, I discovered that I was diabetic while I was doing a revival. And, and it sucks. Oh, man. Um, uh, type 2, it runs in my family on both sides. So I was, pre, I was genetically pre- <clears throat> Um Prior to moving to Charlotte, I used to go play basketball three times a week at a Y. I would drive 20 miles to go to this Y. I had my tribe where we would play basketball Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And out there, I wasn't Ray up, you know, but they call me Ray up, but, you know, I can go at it and, 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 you know, get some good cardio. I haven't found my tribe here and I used to love play basketball. So I, 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 I have to admit, probably in five years since I've been here uh, as far as any form of consistent physical exercise. Now, but I have bought a bike. And um, um, and when I first got the bike, I used to ride it religiously and then winter came in. And so I need to get back into, into that routine. But I think that doing the screenings, getting you eating, I have to really watch what I eat and uh, what I drink. Uh, as far as uh, my glucose levels are concerned and my A1C. So um, if if you're ever told that you're pre-diabetic, you can turn that around. Mm. And uh, whatever the doctor tells you to do, do it. Because I'm here to tell you right now, di- diabetes sucks. You ain't got to die from diabetes, but just manage yeah. it as far as your lifetime is concerned. It, mm-hmm. it sucks. And... Um, uh, I know that that this is something that I have to deal with, but I'm trying to make sure I'm not getting any fingers, toes, legs cut off because yeah, yeah. uh, that yeah. can happen or yeah. impair my kidney where I go into some type of renal failure. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, you know, and that's why it's very important to go get those checkups, you know, mm-hmm. so I encourage encourage all brothers, anybody watching this to definitely go get checked up. Um, you know, don't be afraid of the doctor. You know, I mean, um, those checkups, they, they can save your Ashley life. Ashley trying to make us have a heart attack. Sound like Dr. Scott and Amanda Valley need to start open gym basketball. She's trying hey, to make us have a heart attack. <laughs> oh, she, said, she said they need to start a basketball. She, 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 yeah, she's starting something already in the chat. Uh, Draper did say he was a part of the basketball, so maybe Draper could get out there with some young legs. And, and kind of <laughs> hey, it's like Draper. 
Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, yeah. My group, we're going to be doing set shots. We ain't got <laughs> You know, oh, you man, know yeah. at my age, we do half court now. We don't do no full court. Nah, See, nah, I'm half court. Oh, no. you, need the full, you need the full court for your cardio. Nah, 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 nah. Full court, you half court. Who's yeah, you... <laughs> in charge of the Ben Gay? That's what yeah. I discovered. Yeah. I went to Jackson State Homecoming a couple of weeks ago, and I discovered that I'm not 35. I'm 55. <laughs> That's all I need to say. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so um, I want to kind of move on to, as, as we start kind of winding down, um, one of the things I did want to make sure that to mention is that even though I'm not going to be able to get to this, there is a book. It's an older book. Uh, it's written um, by Hill Harper. Um, and it's called Letters to a Young Brother. So I do encourage anyone out there to read that. Um, it is a really good conversation of peace to have with other young men. Um, and so I won't be able to really get into that. But I did want to re- really make sure that we did touch on this last topic, uh, which is the role the church plays for men. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Joe, I really wanted you to kind of talk about that role, that what happens in these men of valor meetings what happens the role that the men play in the church what what does that mean for you being over the men of valor ministry and the men of valor and by the way we meet on the second saturday of every month nine o'clock um but we are trying and have been trying even even before it was men of valor to um Uh, make disciples for Christ. And we are trying to uh, do that through cultural awareness, spiritual education, fellowship, and service, Christian service. Uh, We do all sorts and kinds of things uh, uh, from the mission standpoint, uh, we've 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 been to the eastern part of the country to uh, dispense turkeys at 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 uh, uh, Thanksgiving time. We've been to Haiti several times. Not all of us, but those who can and those who who will. I went to um, uh, New Jersey uh, when Sandy uh, Hurricane Sandy came through. Uh, we 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 uh, do a lot of of book studies and 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 pastor alluded to this earlier we have studied the uh power and purpose of men and right now we're studying the purpose and power of prayer brothers i mean i have learned so much about manhood prayer life uh you name it through those two books and and and, and it's exciting to see the eyes of, of, of other men opening uh, when stuff, as we yeah. do these studies. And we bear our souls on the table mm-hmm. and we get into good it and, and we have good fellowship. We have uh, 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 very good teaching because pastor leads uh, most of the teaching, but it, it's, it's a time where uh, even right now, uh, all the brothers are saying, Man, how can we get back together physically? You know, I mean, this is good, and, and, and we got a good vibration here on this virtual screen. But you know, can't we just meet somewhere for a burger and, and uh, watch a game or get some wings or something? So everybody is growing together, uh, uh, and, and you learn things about others that you know you didn't. First of all, you didn't know, but. Uh, that that you're not in it alone. Right. You, you're going through something that others have already gone through. They have good advice. Uh, we bring in uh, uh, people with uh, talking about nutrition and diet. We bring in people talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. I have I just communicated with someone uh, that I'm going to bring bring on to talk about financial health. Uh, uh, and that's that's going to be coming up. And so we're trying to make disciples for Christ by growing them in all the ways and in all the things of manhood. Good uh, uh, and, and, and we try to have our presence felt around 
St. Paul and the community as leaders who are doing the things that men need to do for the community, for the church, for our families. And there it is. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, Doc, I'll let you kind of finish up on that one if you wanted to say anything about, you know, the role the church plays as far as um, a man is, is concerned, as far as men are concerned. Um, so, Brother Joe dealt with it from a micro level. I want to deal with it from a macro. Uh, it's very powerful when you see men worship in public. I mean, that... You know, you talk about shifting an atmosphere. Uh, you let men be lifting up their hands in praise. You watch men humble themselves before the Lord in public. Uh, you watch men get caught up by the movement of the spirit. And and a lot of times the movement of the spirit is not is not men, you know, dancing and shouting and things like that, but it's palpable. Um in, in public worship, when, when you see, instead of men doing like this, you, you're seeing men humbling themselves before God. It, it, it does. <laughs> and when you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, scripture, particularly Old Testament, that most of the aspects and examples of praise were led by men. That ain't the case in today's culture. So um, there, there is something to be said when men, and this is not to degrade nor degrade our sisters, but if you get a church that can have at least 50% men and 50% women, you got a heck of a church. You, you, that, that church can, can do some things because um, when men are active in worship, when men are active in fellowship, when men are active in service and mission and ministry, it moves the needles in some very powerful ways. And um, um, uh, and it's my hope that we will continue on that trajectory here uh, at St. Paul Church to uh, develop men who will be disciples and the men of valor does a good job on a micro level. And I love to see us do that on the macro level. Amen. Amen. Well, good stuff. Well, I want to thank um, each of you for being with us tonight. I want to thank everybody in the chat for being with us tonight. Um, I only have one last question, and then we're going to wrap this thing up, and I'm going to go according to my screen. Um, and that is um, uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Joe, go. Who you got? LeBron. Draper, who you got? Was on mute. Based off statistics, got to go LeBron. All right. All right, Ben, who you got? Michael. Pastor, who you got? Jordan. <laughs> Listen, we can go all we can go all day about this. This, is, we can go, we, this conversation can go on for the next three days. I mean, if, if you look at the statistics, LeBron James is the better basketball player. Man, that a week pass. Hey, that's why. Eighties and nineties, he wouldn't have used last. Nineties basketball, yeah. <laughs> hey, you see, that's why I waited for this question to be the last question because I knew if I started this off, we would we wouldn't get to mental health. Oh, no, no, we would have no, no, the whole time going straight. <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously, I, I do want to thank each of you um, for your time. Thank each of you for your input. I think it's been very impactful. I thank each of you for your honesty, um, because I think honest interaction among brothers is what this conversation was all about. It's what, you know, we we envisioned when we saw this conversation happening, um, because it's just really a conversation piece between brothers. Um, and that's why we named it from brother to brother. Uh, so I want to thank each of you from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank everybody that watched us tonight. Thank those who will watch us to, uh, will watch this episode of Kaya. And please join us in our next Kaya. So we, our next Kaya will be coming up. Um, and God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy. Uh, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Um, it's going to be one for the book. So November 23rd. Uh, please join in uh, with us. We'll also have um, 
starting next month, we have Thankful Thursdays that will be coming down the pipe. Um, and don't forget, we have a uh, Quick 15 that will be coming up at 8.15. Um, and so we look forward to you joining us um, and everything that we do as far as St. Paul is concerned. To all my brothers out there, um, we do appreciate everything that you do. And also, don't forget, we will be dropping the links as well um, for our Men of Valor meeting. Um, I'll be making sure to post those, so look out for those as well, um, because your presence is much needed. And so we want to thank you, and we implore you to join us. As Dr. Scott said, they be they they all over the place in there, but they knucking and bucking as well. So just <laughs> just join us. Uh, and so we we do appreciate you once again for joining us. Everyone have a great night and a great rest of your week, um, and be blessed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.